fans, it's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation. Bill Zimmerman with you, and it is draft week. Ladies and gentlemen, draft week is upon us. The Chicago Bears will be selecting, hopefully, a couple more starters and, and a couple more few key pieces for this roster for this season and beyond. We are excited to see who is going to be a member of this roster here in the near future. Jacob Infante from Witty City Gridiron and the Draft Wire. He is going to be by here in a few minutes. He is great on the draft stuff. He, he goes, he is one of these guys that just grinds the tape, looks at all the prospects, knows what the Bears' needs are, knows who can fill those needs. And we are going to talk to Jacob about all that wide receiver, offensive line, trading up, trading back. You know, quarterback, the fact that the Bears don't actually have to worry about that this year. We'll get into all that with Jacob here coming up here in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I just kind of wanted to talk about this Chicago Bears offseason because it's one that's, you know, that really hasn't excited the Chicago Bears fan base. And for good reason, and, and there's a lot of reasons that I just want to kind of get into this and, and talk about Ryan Poles and his first attempt at free agency. First of all, I just kind of want to talk about the Ryan Pace roster that he's inheriting. Yes, there is some talent on there. And when I talk about talent, I talk about second contract guys. I look at guys on this roster, on their first contracts, that should be re-signed to second contracts. Because if they're not on a first contract, if they're not on a rookie deal right now, odds are that that player is not going to fit in the long-term plans because they're already probably pushing 29, 30, 31 years of age. And that's not something the Bears are going to be looking at when they open their competitive window, maybe next season, but probably like 2024, if that's if they are able to open up a Super Bowl window with Justin Fields as the quarterback. That's where they're looking at that. So a guy like Robert Quinn, to me, I would have liked to see Robert Quinn moved. I would have liked to see him traded maybe that's still possibly that happens. I doubt it at this point because Robert Quinn, to me, quality player, his value will never be higher. And I don't see Robert Quinn as a guy who's going to be a part of this roster three years from now. And if that's the case, if there's value and you can trade him, then I'd want to trade him. But that aside, you know, you look at a guy like Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson, to me, is a guy who will get a second contract from Ryan Poles and will be a part of this team moving forward. Roquan Smith will get a second contract, be a part of this team moving forward. Travis Gibson might be a guy who gets a second contract, part of this team moving forward. Tevin Jenkins is a guy, hopefully can get a second contract, be part of this team moving forward. Cole Komet, I am not really on the Cole Komet train in terms of what he can be in terms of a big time player with this Chicago Bears franchise. Can he be a useful player? Yeah, he can be a useful player. Cole Komet's already a useful player. But in terms of being that security blanket, that guy that Justin Fields just knows is going to be, you know, available to him on, on six, seven, eight yards past the line of scrimmage and open, I don't know if Cole Komet's going to be that guy. And I don't know if Cole Komet is going to develop into that you know, goal line threat, that pass-catching red zone threat, big target that the Bears are also lacking right now. So I don't know exactly where Cole Komet fits in. To me, 
Cole Komet's ceiling at this point is an average NFL tight end. You know, so, you know, somewhere in that 14 to 18 kind of range among tight ends. That's, I think, his ceiling. I think his floor is the bottom of a starting level or high level tight end two. So that's kind of where I see Cole Komet falling at this point. And if that's what he is, that's probably not going to get a second contract with the Bears. Maybe I'm wrong, but but we'll see. You know, Darnell Mooney, definitely a guy that could be looking at a second contract. Justin Fields, we hope, gets a second, third, fourth contract with the Chicago Bears. And then, of course, there's David Montgomery. And David Montgomery more fits into the what does Ryan Poles see the running back position as? Does he see it as something where you constantly are just feeding new guys into it and you're not putting a large financial investment in it? That's the way I hope he sees it. But he may want to invest in David Montgomery and keep David Montgomery around. That's not the way I would allocate my funds if I was the Chicago Bears. I know David Montgomery is a, is a productive player. I know he's a highly popular player. But that's the way I look at the running back position, not a position where I want to be paying someone 12, 13, 14 million dollars a year. I want David Montgomery. You know, if he goes out the door, Khalil Herbert steps in and Khalil Herbert is, is there for a few years. And then when he goes out the door, there's another running back that steps in. That's the way because if the Bears have a good scheme and a good offensive line and Justin Fields throwing the ball, that's going to open up the running game and you're going to be able to run the ball with scheme and offensive line, and you won't need that elite talent there. If they stumble into an elite talent, if they draft an Alvin Kamara type in the third round, well, then that's the kind of guy you're going to invest in. But unless you have that elite level of a running back, not a running back, you know, not not, not a position that I would invest in if I was Ryan Poles. But, but you know, so let's look at this free agency season for Ryan Poles because, there is not much he's added to this roster at this point, and what he has added isn't exactly going to, to turn heads. Now, the last thing I wanted for the Bears this year is punting more money into the future. This is not a roster that's ready to compete. This is a roster that is going to have to be evaluated over the course of 2022 so Ryan Poles knows what he has and they can kind of pick the guys that, that they know are going to be a part of this franchise and start filling in the holes. They'll have a lot of money next year in terms of investing in the free agency. They'll have flexibility there, a lot more than they had this year. So I am glad in that respect that Ryan Poles did not sit there and try and slap a bunch of Band-Aids on this roster because that's what Ryan Pace has been doing. I'm glad Poles didn't do that. I'm glad he just looked at it and said, look, we're gonna have, we have too many holes to fill, so let's just see what we can do and move on. But the problem is what he has tried to do hasn't been very successful. Larry Ogunjobi. You know, I know a lot of Bears fans were a little upset about the, the money and everything with, with that, but a lot of Bears fans were excited. I know, you know, there's that three tech that that, that the defense needs, and Ogunjobi was going to be that guy. Failed physical, he's out. Then you've got Ryan Bates, you know, a versatile interior offensive lineman, the kind of guy that you can plug and play at multiple positions, guaranteed he's going to be starting, get a good offer in there for the restricted free agent and Buffalo decides to keep him. So he's out. Now you got this Byron Pringle situation. The Pringle signing was a nice signing. You know, Pringle's been a pretty productive player in Kansas City's offense. You got to figure he's going to get more targets in Chicago, has definite chance for, you know, for a big, 
you know, improvement in statistically and, and what he could do this year. Now he gets in trouble with the law, doing donuts, reckless driving, kid in the back seat. You know, look, I don't think this is something that's going to terminate his contract in Chicago, but could this warrant a couple game suspension and where he maybe misses the beginning of the year? I think that's definitely possible. See what the Bears decide to do. See what the NFL decides to do. But look, even Byron Pringle now, questions about, about that signing. I mean, we heard the Bears were, were potentially in on Armstead. We heard the Bears were potentially in on Robert Woods. But those are things that don't come to fruition. So they don't have that, that big name that they, they've signed there. And now you've got a situation where you've got a wide receiver room and an offensive line. The two big rooms that in terms of if you're going to help Justin Fields, that's where you need to improve. They've got Darnell Moody and a possibly suspended Pringle and, and not much else there. And you've got an offensive line with as many questions as you had he had last year. I mean, you look at this offensive line, left tackle last year. You had Jason Peters. Now you've got Larry Borum. If you ask me, now I understand Borum's younger, so that makes sense there. Peters is the better player, even at 40 years old. Pete, you know, so that's 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 a downgrade there right now. Cody Whitehair, same player, move over to center. Definite improvement there in terms of Lucas Patrick, but you know, over Sam Mustafer. But then you look at right guard, and the Bears basically don't even have a right guard on the roster right now. I assume that's something that's going to get fixed at the draft, probably in round two. But right now you're looking at you know Dakota Dozier or maybe Sam Mustafer sliding over to right guard. Big downgrade there from James Daniels. And then you got the right tackle position. Hopefully Tevin Jenkins steps in, settles in, stays healthy, and cements that position for the Chicago Bears for the next 10 years. But you've got a lot of questions on this offensive line still. Can Larry Boren be a starting left tackle? I have my doubts. Who's going to play right guard? I don't know. Can Cody Whitehair rebound? Or is Cody Whitehair from 2021 the new Cody Whitehair? Because that Cody Whitehair is a below average player. Cody Whitehair can be a good offensive lineman. We've seen it. We've seen it for multiple seasons. But Cody Whitehair last year was bad. He was not good. And if that if something has happened and Cody Whitehair is, is now kind of on the downside of his career, he's been around long enough, it's a definite possibility, that's, that's a problem for the Chicago Bears there. We don't even know what Cody Whitehair is at left guard. So there's a lot of questions there in terms of, is that offensive line going to be able to keep Justin Fields upright? and give him time to throw the ball. Then, who's he throwing the ball to? Because Darnell Mooney and Byron Pringle, and I don't know who else, basically, isn't going to cut the mustard in terms of giving Fields reliable targets that he can, you know, get the ball to and, and you know, make sure they're open. This is, you know, he needs some help, especially on the short side of the ball. We know Fields has an elite deep ball accuracy, but Justin Fields on the short throws last year was not great. And that starts getting you down, and I'm not saying he is, but that starts getting you down the Josh Rosen route. Josh Rosen, if you go look at his highlights in Miami and even in Arizona, you see that elite deep ball that he can throw. But his short game was a mess. And now he's bouncing around from practice squad to practice squad and is probably never going to be much of anything in terms of an NFL roster. Now you've got Justin Fields. Again, I don't think Fields is Rosen. I think he's better than Rosen, but he's got to improve that short game, that short passing game. That has to get better this year. And the way that gets better is if you've got guys that know how to get open and know how to find pockets and zones that he can find. Cole Komet does not get a lot of separation. You know, that's just not Cole Komet's game. You know, who, who is that guy? 
that's going to be able to just get open for Justin Fields when, when he's scrambling around on a third and five and needs to find someone just six yards down the field. Who's that guy? I don't know who if that guy's on the roster. That's that's a problem for, for, for this roster. So, you know, we, we look at what Ryan Poles has done in free agency, and the bottom line is not much. And, and that needs to get better in terms of draft and in terms of what kind of veteran, one-year veteran deals can he sign on the other side of the draft to fill in the last couple holes on this roster. So, you know, I look at this, is this is this first free agency wave that Poles has done here in his first year, is it acceptable? No, it's not acceptable. Does this mean I'm going to scream that Ryan Poles should be fired? Absolutely not, because again, Poles kept the big picture in mind, and that is don't spend 2023's money this season. He didn't do it. That was the most important thing, is to get this roster and, and get the finances of it back under control so you can start building the roster up properly and not have, you know, draft picks missing and future commitments, you know, to, to players not even on the roster, millions of dollars in dead cap. You know, he's trying to fix everything that Ryan Pace did to try and shoehorn open a window that had slammed shut uh, on Ryan Pace to try and so he could try and keep his job. Poles is trying to fix that mess. He's done a good job in terms of not impacting 2023, but he has not done a good job in getting guys on this 2022 roster. Again, is it his fault that Ogunjobi failed his physical? No, they probably thought he, he was ready to go. Is it his fault that Ryan, he gave a good offer for Ryan Bates and Ryan Bates, you know, Buffalo decides to spend that money? I'm sure they thought they were getting Ryan Bates. So things haven't worked out for Poles and the Bears this offseason, but hopefully he can still work some magic in the draft get a couple guys on the uh, in May on the other side of the draft to kind of fill out this roster and at least make it just, you know, competitive and, and that there's a, some level of help for Justin Fields. Because, again, where we are with this roster right now is unacceptable. You know, tough to judge it because, you know, we're not through the draft and we're not through those second-tier signings post-draft, but we're going to see where we are here in a couple weeks. And if this roster isn't significantly better... I mean, right now, let, let's be honest, this is a bottom five roster in the NFL. I don't think there's any way to disagree with that statement. This is a bottom five roster in terms of talent in the NFL. They have a few talented players. You know, Roquan Smith, an established, talented player. Jalen Johnson is a, a talented, established player. Darnell Mooney is a good player. David Montgomery is a good player. But beyond that, Tevin Jenkins is still an unknown. Justin Fields Still an unknown. They do not have a lot of talent on this roster right now. And bottom line is, if that doesn't improve in the next two to three weeks, the Bears are going to be bad. They're going to be a bad team. This is not a team that Justin Fields is going to be able to put on his shoulders and carry to the playoffs. This is going to be a team looking at, you know, three, four, five wins if they don't make some, some significant changes here. And it's going to be a long season for Bears fans. So... We'll see what happens here, but we're going to focus on the draft here with Jacob Infante. He joins us next. This is Bill Zimmerman, Bears Banter. We'll be right back. All right. Very excited for my guest because it is draft season and no one better to talk to than Jacob Infante, Windy City Gridiron's 
draft expert. He's at Jacob Infante 24 on Twitter. Draft wire, plenty to plenty he does there as well. He's a great guy to talk to this time of year. He's nice enough to give us some time. Jacob Bill Zimmerman, how you doing? Hey, Bill, of course. I mean, I'm really happy to be on the show. Uh, you know, I've been listening for you know quite some time now, and uh, I've been I'm doing well. It's a really busy time of year with the draft coming up and everything, but you know, I'm living the life. I'm just excited for all this to get started. Yeah, and and look, Chicago Bears, Ryan Poles, it's it's a new regime. So we're all going to be excited to see what he does here. So before we get into the draft, I kind of want to set the scene here with what's happened over the last, you know, six weeks with free agency. Because look, as as it goes for Ryan Poles, I know Ryan Pace left him a bit of a mess. There were a lot of holes, there was a lot of money kicked into the future. So, you know, a lot of Bears fans thought there was more money than there really technically was. So yeah. he was he was in a difficult situation, and I think most people realize that th- this is a team that he's really targeting for 2023 in terms of free agency, especially the Khalil Mack trade. He's going to have a ton of money in, in the future here. So not a lot with what he could have done, but to be frank, this has not been a great offseason for Ryan Poles. Ryan Bates, he tries to get, he, does, he isn't able to lure him away from Buffalo. Buffalo decides to keep him. The Larry Ogunjobi situation with the injury, he ends up not getting side. Now we've got this Byron Pringle situation with him having trouble with the law. You know, I don't, we don't know if there's going to be a suspension or anything long-term with that. So, so with all that in mind and all the different aspects of this, you know, free agent season, what was your takeaway from Ryan Poles' first shot at free agents? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't, you know, to an extent disappointed with what I saw from Ryan Poles in free agency. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. This is a team that's looking to compete in 2023. That's their big year that they're going to look to try and, you know, spend significantly and add some top-notch talent. But at the same time, I don't, I can't really say that they got any better. In fact, I'd argue they got worse from last year. I mean, and that's, uh, you know, to be expected when you have as many guys uh, hitting free agency as you do. And when you trade Khalil Mack, obviously, it's tough to say that you improved over an offseason. But I think a lot of the needs that were still that were there heading into the offseason are still there. Like, I think the receiver group is still one of the worst in the league. I, the, I think the offensive line's better. I think that's one position you can look at and say, all right, you know, that's there's some new faces in there. That's a little bit better than it was last year. But even then, I think that right guard is a huge need at this point, and you can debate about offensive tackle, uh, whether you think Larry Borm's the guy at left tackle. If you're keeping Tevin Jenkins at right tackle, uh, there's still some uncertainty there. And then corner, there's still plenty of concerns, and you know, defensive side of the ball, uh, you can make an argument they still need someone at safety to compete for a starting job, uh, but it's it's the long term game. It's the long term game with the Bears and with Ryan Poles here because again this isn't going to be fixed in one off season. This isn't going to, this was never going to be a team that was going to spend significantly and be able to compete right away. If they spent significantly, then they'd be better. It'd certainly be better, but you're not looking at a team that's winning the NFC North. You're not looking at a team that's making a playoff run because there's simply quite far too many uh, needs on, you know, on both sides of the ball to be able to truly compete. I'd say. All right, well, 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 let's go with the offensive side of the ball, and that, that'll kind of lead me into the day two picks that the Bears have. And let's start with the offensive line, because you said you feel the offensive line is, is better. And, and I think that's, a, that's an interesting take. 
I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. I, you know, with you know, basically, you're talking about a, a Lucas Patrick increase, you know, improvement over Sam Mustafer, but at the same time, James Daniels, who was yeah. arguably their best offensive lineman, is gone, and they don't have a right guard right now. I assume right now it's Dakota Dozier and Sam Mustafer in a training camp battle that nobody wants to see. I assume there's going to be some sort of interior offensive lineman that's most likely going to start here in, in the draft. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But the offensive line, yeah. no, no, no Jason Peters, Larry Borum. I don't know where he fits exactly in terms of this offensive line and what gets he's going to want to do. You know, I didn't look, I thought he did a, a good job, especially as a rookie, you know, fifth round pick. But I mean, a lot yeah. of, you know, Bears fans wanted to put him in Canton after, after one game. You know, I have a lot of questions about Larry Borum and wondering if he's really going to be anything more than a swing tackle or a low end starting offensive lineman. So, so kind of expand on where you are with the offensive line. Cause, cause I think some Bears fans think it's improved. Some Bears think, you know, it's gotten worse. So, so, you know, kind of expand on that thought. Yeah, you know, for sure. So I personally take a look at that and admittedly a decent amount of that is projection. I believe that Tevin Jenkins having a full off season to be healthy, uh, building off of some in-game play, I think he will be significantly better next year. And, you know, people tended to, uh, you know, be a little harsh on him because he had some struggles with penalties early on. But uh, once he got that sorted out, he had a really good uh, stretch to close out the year. And I think I still believe firmly that he's the type of guy who could be a quality long term starter for this offensive line. Uh, I'm happy that they're giving him more reps at right tackle. I think that's where he fits best. Uh, and I think that he had, he's the type of guy that I, I don't know if I'd say like an an all pro offensive lineman, but his ceiling is very high. So I'm projecting uh, an increase in play if he stays healthy. And then with Larry Borum, I think you're looking at someone who, I mean, at the very least, he's a very good swing tackle who can also project as a guard if need be. But, you know, you're right. I think for a fifth round rookie, he definitely exceeded expectations. Now it's just a matter of, okay, he exceeded expectations but now the expectations are much higher. Is he going to be able to continue to exceed those expectations? So yeah, there's some concern there. And then at right guard, uh, obviously you don't have a starter there right now, but I do think that Lucas Patrick is an upgrade over Sam Mustafer for sure. I think that Tevin Jenkins being at right tackle is going to be very helpful for them. Uh, and we'll see where they're at with Cody Whitehair. I mean, coming off of the year, that's maybe not as great as what he's used to, uh, we'll see if he's able to uh, thrive in a new change of scenery, but I think that the potential for this offensive line is still pretty good, uh, especially considering if they take an interior offensive lineman at some point early in the draft, uh, then I think there's room for growth. There might not be a great unit right away, but I think down the stretch, there's going to be potential for sure. All right. So, so let's, let's talk about how we can fill these holes. Let's, let's move over into the draft. Kind of let, let, let's start here. Everyone, and, and I think this is pretty much, you know, agreed upon universally, that best player available over need is always yeah. the way to go. Now, now with the Bears on day two, it looks like it's lining up pretty well for them that there should be a lot of really good prospects, at least the way I'm looking at it, at wide receiver and interior offensive line when they're up where basically BPA and need hopefully will blend together with them as well. So with, with, with that in mind, and, and keep this in mind, not drafting for need, but drafting for high-quality players at, at those spots, I have the two second-round picks and the third-round pick, would you want to see them potentially with 
three players take it if they don't trade back and we can get into that here in a little bit as well but if they don't trade back and they take three players on day two if they were all wide receivers and offensive linemen is that what you'd want to see or would you want to see a more diverse selection honestly i wouldn't complain with that and ultimately you know there are needs on both sides of the ball there are needs in a handful of different positions but i think those are the biggest needs wide receiver and offensive line Uh, on this roster right now and you're looking at that and if you address those needs and you surround Justin Fields with talent I think this is what this draft needs to be is just setting the foundation for the long run giving him some more weapons to work with giving him some more protection up front I think that's got to be the top priority in this class and uh, you know luckily for them this is a really good wide receiver class they're a handful of talented offensive linemen who should be available uh, either in rounds two or three so I think the board, as, it's, as it projects to stand right now, uh, should be falling pretty well for them. The question is exactly how many receivers are going to go round one? Uh, who's going to fall into round two? Is anyone going to go early round two? Because there's still a couple of teams higher up there that could stand to add receivers. So there is a lot of uncertainty, but I, I believe that they should be able to get talent at either position. So uh, if that was the approach that they went with, I honestly couldn't complain. All right. So, so, so let me put your, your Ryan Pace hat on. Is there a wide receiver or an offensive lineman where if they're sitting there at say 33, so we're, we're starting with, you know, day two, first pick of day two. And are there a couple players that you think may be there that may fall out of the first round, but probably won't make it to 39 where you'd say if they slide, if I was Ryan Poles, I would consider trading up to get one of those players. Yeah, so I I look at that, and there are some guys where obviously if there's like a consensus round one guy, then you know obviously I'd consider that. But out of the people I believe to have a realistic shot, I'd say Tyler Linderbaum for the center from Iowa is far and away the top candidate. And there's talk that he might fall because you know he doesn't meet certain length thresholds and you know, being a center, it's not the sexiest position out there. So those guys tend to get drafted maybe a little bit lower than arguably they should. I mean, that's a debate you could certainly have, but if Linderbaum falls into round two, I wouldn't be mad at all if they traded up just a couple of spots to solidify him because the way I look at it, Linderbaum's a top 10 talent in this class. I see an extremely mobile and extremely technically refined and intelligent center, especially in a zone-based scheme. Uh, You know, if this offense projects to run, you know, a good amount of wide zone, I think there's no one who fits that better than Tyler Linderbaum. I mean, he's incredibly good at blocking uh, on the move. He's intelligent. He's controlled. Uh, I think that you're looking at a potential pro bowler at center and not just a pro bowler, but potentially a perennial pro bowler. And, if that were the case, if he does fall out of round one, I think he's the only guy that I think has a realistic chance of falling out of round one that I'd go out of my way to trade up for because not only are you getting insane value, you're also filling a position of need. Uh, you know, whereas with someone like, say, George Karloftis, the edge rusher out of Purdue, if he falls out of round one, I mean, yeah, I'd consider it. But then the question becomes, you know, the allocation of resources, is it appropriate to be spending all this you know, this extra draft capital to move up for an edge rusher when you still have glaring needs elsewhere. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's BPA over need. But when you're trading up, honestly, I believe that uh, you do so in mind with someone that can really uh, step in and fill a hole for your roster. 
All right. Well, while we're on offensive line, let's stick with offensive line. How about Zion Johnson? Is that is that a guy mm. you see that maybe could be there at 39? I know he's probably a late first, but is, is that a guy, if he's there, that you'd want to jump on if you if you were Ryan Poles? Yeah, if, if Zion Johnson fell to 39, I'd definitely consider it. He'd be, you know, very close to, if not at the top of my board. I think he's a guy that goes round one. Uh, I have him. So, yeah, for full disclosure, I don't have uh, round one grades on my top 32 prospects. You know, that's not how my board works. That's not how, you know, basically everyone's uh, big board works who puts together those grades and rankings and stuff. But I do have Zion Johnson, like, in that fringe round one, round two range. So, you know, he's in my top 30. And I look at him, I think he's also a very good fit. Uh, You're looking at someone who's, you know, like Linderbaum. He's, you know, technically refined. He's a good athlete. Uh, he's got good strength overall. He's, you know, a pretty high motor type of guy. I don't think he's as he has the uh, elite athleticism like Linderbaum does on tape, but he's still uh, an above average athlete, very well-rounded skill set. Uh, you know, the question, w- would I trade up for him? If, you know, if that were proposed, I don't know. Because so, I feel like you could still get really good value somewhere at 39. Uh, but I think that if Zion fell to 39, I think that would be a really good pick because I think he's the type of guy who steps in right away and makes an impact. And uh, I do feel confident. I keep saying Pro Bowl, and I know that sounds kind of hyperbolic, uh, but I, he's another guy I think could be a you know a multi-time Pro Bowler in the league. I don't see too many glaring weaknesses in his game. I think he should be able to uh, translate his game pretty well. All right, if, if those two guys are off the board, Round two offensive linemen that you like based on on traits, based on fit for the the new Chicago Bears offense. Where are guys that you might like at 39 and 48 in terms of offensive line prospects? Yeah, definitely. So I'd say yeah, this is more of a guy at 48 than 39, in my opinion. But you're, I'm looking at uh, Cole Strange from Chattanooga, the guard. Uh, I'm looking at someone who, uh, you know, the Bears have met with him. They've done their homework on him. Uh and uh, I think you're looking at someone who's a very good athlete, someone who, uh, I mean, he tested incredibly well. And you're also looking at someone who uh, uses his hands well. He consistently gets that inside leverage. Uh, I, I find that to be really impressive, just how consistently uh, he lands his strikes and gets his hand inside the frame of, you know, an opposing defensive lineman. Uh, strength for days, very high motor, just a nasty dude. Uh, and he's coordinated. I think there's there's a lot to like with him, and I think there's a very strong chance he goes round two, in my opinion. And I think the Bears, uh, I think they'd be smart to consider him at 48. I mean, 39, you could argue, is a little bit of a reach, but I think 48 or even if you move down uh, into the 50s, then I think that's a perfect fit for him. Uh, you know, I think he thrives in that wide zone type of scheme. Uh, you know, you blend in some some power concepts, some gap concepts. I think Strange can pull that off as well. Uh, I think he's a guy who can start in the league and be a quality interior lineman. Uh, so if he were the pick, I certainly wouldn't complain. All right. Well, well, let me ask you a little bit more on Strange because I, I know you you you've tweeted about him. You're you're a you're a big supporter of his, and and I you know I don't grind tape. You know I usually grind tape after the Bears select guys rather than than going through the whole prospect list like 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 you 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 draft experts do. <laughs> but uh, so so just on my my kind of superficial lookings at, at, at Strange. I mean, obviously you got to look at you know 
the, the, the level of competition, obviously it's going to be lower at, at, at Chattanooga. I know he did have a, a, a good game. I think it was against Kentucky, but yeah. um, you know, but you, you keep that in mind and the fact he will be 24 by training camp. So does age or competition, does that concern you at all with him? Or is this a guy you think that excels above that? Uh, I mean, I, I think that age is more of a concern than competition, truthfully, because, you know, like you mentioned, he did play very well against Kentucky. Uh, you, you know, watched him at the Senior Bowl, the practices, the game itself. He more than held his own against top-notch competition. And, I, I mean, look, for the Senior Bowl practices, a lot of that, you know, those can be one-on-ones. It's not necessarily reflective of an in-game situation all the time. But, you know, still being able to hold your own athletically and from a strength perspective, against those guys like I know Perry on Winfrey out of Oklahoma he's the guy that's you know highly touted as a three tech type of prospect strange more than held his own against him against Travis Jones out of UConn uh you know and the list goes on and on I'm sure I could uh go back and find some more that he did well against but uh age I'll admit yeah it's a little bit of a concern you know he's an older guy I want to say he's a five-year a four-year five-year starter at Chattanooga so he has plenty of reps but you know at the same time that does kind of go against him because uh, you're looking at that second contract, he's going to be, you know, like about like 28 when you're trying to extend him. He, probably only one big contract long term. Uh, so I, I think that's something to keep in mind. But I, I don't think that that's really going to scare anyone from taking him within the top 70. I believe. I, I think you're still looking at someone who, okay, sure, might not last as long in the league as you know another person around that range who also does well in the league. But I think that the immediate uh, abilities that he brings, I think it's worth it. And I think you're looking at a guy who can be a high level starter in the league. And at that point, I'd still take the shot. All right. Um, now, just kind of more of a, a theoretical thing in, in how you're kind of grading out of the prospects has, has looked at, at, at this point. Some of the yeah. stuff I've read is that there's, you know, this, this is a, a deep draft in terms of the kind of mid first and into the second rounds, a lot of similar graded prospects, but that it kind of falls off at maybe about 55 or 60 in terms of a lot of the, the big boards. I kind of, yeah. I, I ask you, is that the way you kind of see it as well? And I bring that up because of the idea that the bears do have a lot of holes. It would be wise to trade back and try and grab, you know, another pick or two along the way here, especially if you can get another one in round three or round four, so, so where are you in terms of the depth of this draft in terms of levels of talent of prospects in terms of the Bears trading back and not shooting themselves in the foot and, and losing out on, on a certain level prospect? Yeah, so I look at it as, you know, with my current board, I think that there's a bit of a drop-off around, you know, like just outside of my top 50, I'd say. I think that uh, roughly around like the – the 25 ish range to 50 is very close. And, you know, if you have two picks inside the top 50, like the bears currently have right now, they should be able to acquire some talent that has, you know, at this stage, a legit chance to go round one. And, you know, granted, I know that my board isn't going to be exactly perfect with how the actual draft lines up. Like there are some people like I, I have, uh, Minnesota edge rusher Boye Mafe just outside of my top 50, but I think he's going to go much higher than that in real life. Uh, the same goes with Kyler Gordon, the cornerback uh, for Washington. Uh, but, you know, with that said, I do think that the, the sweet spot is if you're not picking like early second round, like early mid second round, I think there's a drop off later in the round. 
uh, at least from what I've been able to see from uh, from what I'm projecting, from what other uh, NFL draft guys are projecting from mock draft simulators, what have you. Uh, and, th- and then once you get into that, like that mi- early to mid round three range, sure. It's a, you know, it's a decent enough drop off, but I think that the round three round four is also rich in talent. So that's part of why sure. The, I'd like the bears to trade back at some point because yeah, you might be missing out a little bit on some more additional round two talent, but, even then you're getting more depth, you're getting, uh, you're filling more needs, you're filling more roster spots with uh, intriguing young talent. So if you can get a, a draft slot in round four, I think that would be a fantastic uh, get for them. All right, let's jump over to wide receiver because we know that you you brought it up right, right at the beginning. There yeah. isn't a Bears <laughs> fan in the world that is excited with this wide receiver room right now, at least not yeah, no. I can find. <laughs> it's a major problem. We know Justin Fields needs reliable targets, you know, to, to throw to. He doesn't have many. Uh, Mooney might be really the only one. Uh, you know, Pringle may be good, but again, like I said, I don't think this is going to cause the, this – the you know issue that Pringle had here, the the, the legal issue. I don't think this is going to cost him his contract, but you know, is it possible he gets suspended a game or two? That's going to make the wide receiver room even 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 worse. So when yeah. when we're looking at wide receiver prospects, and let let's not take any time with the Wilsons and the Williams and the Londons and and, and the guys that there's zero chance they're sliding in the round two. But I yeah. know the Bears are going to be kind of a a victim of are five wide receivers, six wide receivers or eight wide receivers. How many wide receivers are going to be gone ahead of them? But, but who are the guys that jump off the page to you right now that could be in the mix at 39? Yeah. So I think the two best fits at 39 would be George Pickens out of Georgia and then Christian Watson out of North Dakota state. I think that those are two guys who fit, you know, the, the prototype. Well, you know, you're looking at that Packers offense, they have, that Marquez Valdez Scantling type guy who's big, who's fast, who can stretch the field. Uh, and I think that with Pickens and Watson, you're having guys of that skill set, but should, at least in my opinion, should be more productive in the NFL than Marquez Valdez Scantling has in terms of being a higher volume type of guy. Uh, Pickens, I think you're looking at just really good hands, good size, good physicality, good speed. If he didn't get hurt, I think you're looking at a first round lock. So if the Bears, uh, if the medicals all go out well with him, and I'm sure they've done their homework in that regard, uh, then I definitely think he'd be a very good pick at 39. He's probably my top choice if he's available. Watson, I think, is a little less likely just because he's a little bit bigger and a little bit faster. And I I feel like a team's going to take a shot on that. Uh, but you're still looking at someone who's you know shown some promise as a route runner to – and just the sheer physical advantage that he has over the average defensive back, I think is really, really intriguing. Uh, so either one of those guys, I think, could fit that bill extremely well. Uh, if Traylon Burks out of Arkansas falls, I mean, I, I personally think he goes late round one. But if Burks is available at 39, I think you'd have to consider it. And I know it's been very, uh, you know, rather divisive about him and whether he's, you know, the type of guy who can consistently separate or if he's just more so of a gimmick player or what have you. But I think you're looking at a very high ceiling with him, someone who can be used in that Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown type role. Uh, a lot to like with him. So, But realistically, I think Pickens and Watson are the two top choices at 39. Should either of them be on the board? 
Yeah, I really like Pickens. That's that that's the guy for me right now that that I'd sit there. If that's the guy at 39, I'd be thrilled. Now, I, I want to ask you about one guy, just because I think from what I've seen on Bears Twitter, this is the name that it's probably debated the most and seems to be to get the people on the most sides where, you know, and I know because he's Midwestern college, you know, a lot of Bears fans watch Big Ten football. So, you know, um, so a lot of Bears fans love him. A lot of Bears fans have concerns with him. David Bell Purdue. Is this a guy that you would like to see the Bears draft? Because I have seen a lot of differing opinions on him. Yeah, so I mean, I've uh, I've been a big fan of David Bell's game for quite some time, and a full disclosure, I do think you know I think he fell short of my expectations at the combine. And granted, you know that's saying I wasn't expecting him to test all that great because you watch on tape, he's not the type of guy with the elite deep speed. He's more of that type of guy who wins with technique and refined footwork than he does with sheer athleticism. So I think you're looking at someone, maybe the ceiling isn't sky high because he doesn't have that elite deep speed. He isn't the most, like the most explosive, but what I think he lacks in that he makes up for with refinement. He makes up for with reliable hands, good physicality. Uh, You're looking at someone who, at least in my opinion, is one of the more crafty route runners in this class because he has to be, he's not like this sky more type where, I mean, Sky Moore is also extremely refined as a route runner, but he's more explosive and he ha- he could win with pure speed and pure agility if he wanted to. David Bell doesn't have that luxury. So he's had to, you know, refine his different releases off the snap, the way that he adjusts his footwork through his stems, uh, I think is it's NFL ready. And he's never going to be the type of guy to, you know, break ankles, just leave guys in a cloud of dust. But He's shown the subtle separation, the subtle mobility needed to uh, on those shorter route concepts to really make plays. So I think I'd be I'd be more than okay with the Bears taking David Bell. I think that you were looking round two. I think now more round three, uh, maybe even round four for him. Uh, I do think you know he slips a little bit just because the combine. I feel like people are going to be a little bit worried about that, but at the same time, you know you watch the tape. He's I think he's a very good football player. So. I'd take a shot on him late day two uh, if an opportunity comes up. But I think that in that case, you're also going to have to take another receiver before that. So I think the chances that Bell goes to Chicago are pretty slim. But, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like say if they get a George Pickens, they get a Christian Watson, or they wait a little bit and take an Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati, then I think David Bell could be a good, like, big slot sort of option. Well, you, you brought up Pierce, so, so let me kind of go there. So you kind of talked about the the higher level guys you'd want at 39. Well, you got 48, you have the round three pick as well. So who are some of the guys on that next tier? You know, I, I know you brought up, we talked about Bell. I know you brought up Pierce, but whether that be a Tolbert, a Moore, an Austin, you know, who, who are some of those other guys that might be available a little bit later in round two, maybe in the round three, or like you said, maybe even the round four that you think the Bears uh, should be looking to target? Yeah, so, I mean, and I talked a little bit about Sky Moore. I think if he's available in round two, he'd be a good fit. Uh, you know, maybe not, obviously not in the same type of role as a Pickens or a Watson, but I think he's just a damn good football player. So if you get the chance to do that, someone who can get open, make plays in space, uh, that's a very good pick. But that said, I do think he goes a bit earlier. So in that next tier down, I'd look at 
you know, maybe like a John Mechie, you know, wide receiver from Alabama. He had the injury, but he's, you know, a precise route runner, just, you know, borderline surgical in how he creates separation. Uh, Jalen Tolbert's a guy I like. Uh, him, Romeo Dobe, Romeo Dubs, rather, out of Nevada, two similar guys, I think, with, you know, good deep speed, good length type of guys who can, you know, they're solid enough route runners, maybe not elite in a particular aspect of their game, but I think that they can be, you know, solid rotational contributors at the next level. Uh, Khalil Shakir out of Boise State, a little bit smaller, but, you know, shifty type of guy, good route runner, someone that I think could be a reliable you know, like a high end three, low end two in the league. So if you can get that in like round three, I think that's good value. Uh, and then going to Alec Pierce. So he's a guy that, you know, we've seen mocked as high as, you know, like early round two. And the Bears have been, you know, tied to him from mock draft, uh, draft experts and all that stuff. So I think that's a bit more of a work in progress with him. You know, he's got the size, he's got very good deep speed. He, you know, can jump out of the gym. I don't think he's a very polished route runner as it stands right now. I think his ability to create separation, uh, his speed releases are a bit, you know, suspect uh, and maybe not as physical as you'd like for his size. I mean, he's not bad on the 50-50 ball by any means. Uh, I think he's good in that regard. But for someone who's like 6'3", built like 210 or something along those lines, he's as a, you know, a bulkier frame. Uh, maybe like to see a little bit more physicality there. So he's someone I'd consider in round three. I think the only way you take him in round two is if you trade back and acquire some more draft capital, because he's not someone I don't think is going to contribute super well right away. I think you'll see more rotational and special teams on, you know, as a rookie and then down the line, uh, you know, hope he can develop and hope he's able to contribute and be a quality uh, deep threat and a red zone target as well. All right, a couple more for Jacob Infante. He's doing a great job for us here before we let him go. <laughs> um, you know, we, we've obviously focused on offense, which is, you know, where the Bears need to focus. We know that offense right now is, is inept. I don't care what kind of scheme you bring in. There's just not enough yeah. talent right there. So they, they've got to infuse some in. But defensively, you know, we're not going to lie. There's there's holes there on that side of the ball as well. I think yeah. the biggest one that's glaring is, is cornerback. You know, so why don't you just throw out, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but why don't you spend some of your favorite, you know, day two cornerback prospects that if the Bears go that route, you'd be pretty pleased that they ended up uh, on Matt Eberflus's defense. Yeah, so it's a bit interesting because when I look at round two, I think it's going to be tough for them to really have great value at the cornerback position because I think that a lot of guys are going to go in different various points in round one. Maybe if a guy falls, I do like Kyler Gordon out of Washington. I know I said I have him out of my top 50. I think he's a good scheme fit, though. I think on tape he's shown good fluidity, uh, just good overall athleticism, ball skills, uh, instincts. Uh, So I think he's a shot there. But in terms of day two, I think you're looking at round three as more of the sweet spot for the corners in this class. Uh, Marcus Jones out of Houston, he's smaller. So, you know, you're looking at more of a nickel with him as opposed to someone who can play on the outside. But Marcus Jones, very good athlete, loose hips, great deep speed, also an elite return specialist. So if that's something that suits your fancy, you know, you have that open to you as well. Uh, Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati, he's a bigger guy, uh, just shows good physicality. I think that, I mean, honestly, all the Cincinnati defensive backs, you know, Brian Cook, the safety and, He won't fall, obviously, but Sauce Gardner, I think, you know, they'd all fit very well in that kind of 
you know, that Eberflus mold of defensive back. Uh, and if I were to choose another guy, then maybe take a shot on Tariq Wool in round three. I mean, he's the UTSA guy. He, I'm not convinced he really knows what he's doing half the time, but he's a converted wide receiver with great ball skills. He's like 6'4 with elite length, and he's also a guy who runs sub 4'3 in the 40-yard dash and has loose hips. So the he's very much a developmental guy. So you're not expecting him to start right away. He's going to take some time to develop. He's very much raw, but you get that physical upside at the cornerback position. I think that could be intriguing. And if the bears truly want to be patient, they truly want to play the long game here and don't care as much about the 2022 results, then I could see Woolen being a, an option for them in round three. All right. How, how about day three? As of right now, no fourth-round pick. Hopefully that changes with, with the trade back. No fourth-round pick. Yeah. Two, two fives and a six. Who are some guys, regardless of position, that you've really liked after watching tape in those later rounds, round five, round six? Like I said, offense, defense, doesn't matter. What's two or, what's two or three names that have popped off the page at you that you think might be available when they're selecting at those picks? Yeah, so one guy that I – I think there's a chance he goes higher than where my grade has him just because of, you know, the physical upside, but Zion McCollum, he's a corner out of Sam Houston state, I think has a chance to go higher than people expect. But even if he's available in round five, I think that's, you know, something you definitely take a shot on. I mean, you're looking at a guy who's six, two runs in the four threes, you know, can jump out of the gym tested very well from an agility perspective at the combine too. And, you know, that fluidity shows up on tape. And, you know, being a taller guy, it can be tougher to sink your hips and, you know, explode coming out of your brakes. But I don't think that's an issue with McCollum. Uh, so I think there's a chance he does go higher. But if he's available round five, I think that'd be a slam dunk pick. Uh, again, one of those guys, you know, not so sure he has the, the highest football IQ at this stage of his career, but there's still a lot to like there. And on the offensive side of the ball, I think Tyquan Thornton, wide receiver out of Baylor, is the guy that you're going to there's a, in, at least in my opinion, I think there's a good chance that Thornton could be uh, in consideration if he's available in round five, because he fits that, uh, that gets kind of receiver mold very well, you know, a lengthy guy, uh, very good, deep speed. You're talking a guy who runs in the four twos uh, again, you're probably not the most refined route runner out there, but elite deep speed and insane length. I think for that alone, that's worth a shot in round five if he's available. So, you know, those are just two guys that I think if I had to choose uh, really fit that mold on day three, if the bears want to go in those directions. All right, let's wrap up with this, excuse me. And it's not a bears question for once because the bears have Justin Fields and are actually moving forward with a quarterback, but let me kind of get your overall feel on this quarterback class you know, a couple people are, are still saying something, you know, things like we could have two, three quarterbacks going in the top 10. We've got other people like Charles Davis saying that he thinks Davis Mills would be a better prospect than any of the quarterbacks in this class. So, you know, a lot of people differing opinions on this quarterback class. You know, there's a good chance maybe the Lions, I don't know if they would they jump Willis, you know, it, it, right away in the top five. We've also heard they could jump on, on Desmond Ritter late in round one. So obviously that impacts the bears a little bit there. So where are you with this quarterback class? And, you know, do you think there are names here that could eventually be top 15 quarterbacks in the league? Cause I think that's what you're going for here. 
if you're an NFL team, if you don't have a top 15 quarterback, you know, top half quarterback in the league, you're not competing for a Super Bowl. So are any of these guys you think that level prospects? I think there's a possibility. Uh, I think especially with Malik Willis out of Liberty, you're looking at someone who, you know, maybe trusts his arm a little bit too much, got that gunslinger mentality, which can get him into some trouble sometimes. But he's got a very good arm and elite athletic ability. You're, You're looking at, you're putting him in that Lamar Jackson, that Kyler Murray tier of athletes at the QB position. Uh, so immediately I'd say top three athlete, and that's very valuable, you know, for, you know, especially for different offenses to be able to disguise looks and take advantage of that. Uh, I mean, and I think he also has a pretty low floor in the grand scheme of things, but in terms of pure ceiling, Willis is the guy hands down. Uh, Pickett, I think can be a solid starter. I don't know if he can be much else. I think the, you know, his arm's just okay. And it's not like a Joe Burrow situation where he's this, you know, elite mentality, elite pocket presence. I don't think I've seen a quarterback with as good a pocket presence as Joe Burrow, you know, since I've started scouting. Uh, but I, again, you're still though, Kenny Pickett is, he's a good player with, you know, who throws the ball accurately. I think is. Uh, athleticism is better than some people give him credit for. But again, I think he's just the solid starter in the league. Then you get to like a Matt Corral or a Desmond Ritter. I think, you know, the bus potentials there, uh, especially with Corral, I think he's as sink or swim as of a QB prospect as you can get in this class. Uh, and then, you know, Ritter, I've started to warm up to a little bit. I'm still not sold. He can be much more than a, a decent starter if he reaches his ceiling. And then Carson Strong, very raw, good arm. Sam Howell, decent. I mean, nobody that I'd necessarily give up the farm to move up for. I think Willis is the only guy that I'd say truly has franchise quarterback potential. Handful of guys who could be decent. But again, like you said, if you don't have a top 15 quarterback, uh, you're probably not competing for a Super Bowl anytime soon. Yeah, and let's hope that Justin Fields takes those steps forward this year and proves he can be. But, you know. Like we're looking at this offense right now. They need a lot of help to give Justin Fields <laughs> any shot to, to really oh, take things forward. So let's hope uh, Ryan Poles knows what he's doing here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, there he is, Jacob Infante, at Jacob Infante 24 on Twitter. Give him a follow because if you're not, you're not doing Bears Twitter right. Jacob is great, not just on the draft, but all over the NFL. Jacob, thanks for so much time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no, of course. Thank you for having me on. It's been a blast. All right, there he is, Jacob Infante from Windy City Gridiron and the Draft Wire from USA Today. Great stuff from Jacob there. Gives you a really good primer for the Chicago Bears for what they can do there, potentially in rounds two, rounds three, maybe even on day three a a little bit there as well. Because look, this is the thing we see with the Bears far too often. They don't have enough picks high up in the draft for as many holes as they have. That is certainly the case here. And like, like we talked about there at the opening, Ryan Poles, not a great free agent period to this point. You know, definitely probably is going to add a few more guys here post-draft. They'll, they'll get a veteran safety. They'll probably get maybe another veteran wide receiver, someone that can actually contribute, you know, on a, like a one-year prove-it deal. That's probably going to happen, I would think. You know, they, they need to kind of see where the draft, how that, you know, unfolds for them and where they can pick and who they can pick. And in terms of filling those holes and where they still need some veterans. So there's going to be a few more names added. And, and like I said, I don't know if this free agency, I don't know if I want to call it a failure, is, is all of Ryan Poles' fault. Some of this is just kind of how 
things fall, but certainly this is a Chicago Bears roster with a lot of holes, not a lot of talent, and one that needs a, a lot of help. This is not going to be, uh, you know, uh, you know, at this point, a roster that's fixable with, with a few draft picks and a couple of veteran signings, and suddenly the Bears are going 11-6 and six this year. That's, that's not something I think any of us should expect, but... You know, this is Ryan Poles' team now. He's trying to put his stamp on it. He is trying to, you know, make this his roster. Obviously, he'll keep a few guys from, from pace. You know, Fields, obviously. You know, hopefully Tevin Jenkins develops into someone. You know, hopefully, you know, they, they want to keep Jalen. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens at Roquan Smith. We'll see what Ryan Pace guys get, you know, pulled into this, this team in terms of staying long-term. I mean, three, four, five years down the line are still a part of this organization. It's not going to be that many based on, on the level of talent this team has. A lot of these guys are going to be are going to be uh, replaced in, in, you know, this year, next year, the year after that. So we'll see what happens here. But this is a big draft coming up. I know no first round pick. We'll take it. Justin Fields, thank you very much. But they've got to make do with these these day two picks. They need out of these three picks, they really need two starters to come out of this, or, or at least two heavy contributors. So, you know, if they draft a starting offensive lineman, they draft a wide receiver, maybe the wide receiver, quote-unquote, isn't starting, but he's getting 25, 30, 35 snaps a game, like that kind of contributor, because they desperately need that to happen. So that's going to do it for Bears Banter. We will join you after the draft. We will do the postmortem on the draft and where the Chicago Bears stand and what they need to do next. That's coming up soon. We'll talk to you then. Bear it out, everybody. Adios. Adios.